My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 135 of Legally Clueless. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If this is your first time ever joining our tribe, audio episodes go out every single Monday and you can join our online community on Instagram. We're at Legally Clueless Podcast. There's a link to that in the show notes. And I really think you should check out our YouTube channel, which is our newest baby. So you'll find season one of this podcast there, of our video series that is, and you get to watch Africans sharing their stories live on camera. And then you can also check out our four-part tour series because we just went on tour across four counties in Kenya. There's a link to all of those things <laughs> in the show notes, so make sure you check them out. However, really excited for this particular episode because speaking of our tour, it features a story that we recorded in Nakuru and it's a story by Shiko Kihika. Listen to this. He lies to my aunt and my mom, tells them how he's planning to take care of the baby, how we're gonna move in, how all these things are gonna happen and it was a picture perfect kind of man. Every other day there's a woman calling me asking me oh I had you pregnant you know I also was pregnant and he told me to do ABCD because I worked till two weeks to my delivery. Hey public hospitals people are screaming everywhere and I have to share beds with two women very big women. I told her, I think it's either I've urinated myself or my water broke. The doctors are on strike, so I'll have to wait until it's an emergency. So I was in labor from 11 a.m. all the way to 11 p.m. A lady called and she's like, hi, are you Shiko? I was like, yeah. I'm like, who is this? I'm the wife to so-and-so. I just realized that you were pregnant and you've given birth. I'm like, wife, wife, how? Since when? Like, I'm just a girlfriend. He's been living with me. Like, where? Here in the so clearly it's definitely one of those stories that's going to have you gasping in shock in quite a few places, but it's going to be coming up a little later in this episode. So I'm not going to be talking too much because I want to give as much time to Shiko's story, but what I will want you to check out are a group, I believe, uh, a music group that I just stumbled on and they're from Chad. And I say, I think they're a group because they sing mostly in French. <laughs> and I, I, I think it's, it's either, it's either two guys or two guys and two girls or two guys and one girl or one guy and one girl. I've tried to figure out <laughs> um, what constitutes or who constitutes this group, but it's all in French. And yeah, either way, regardless of how many they are, the music is awesome. So as much as I'll tell you to check out one particular song, I think you should just look them up and see and listen to rather all, all their songs. So they're called Afrotronics. And I, I happened to watch them live performing on stage. And it's like one guy who was behind like the DJ decks. And then before you know it, his singing and his vocals are so beautiful. And then before you know it, he's grabbed this guitar and he's like such a master of the guitar. And then there's another guy who is drumming so well. And it's just like so mind-blowing and then before you know it there's one girl who comes on stage and she's dancing in a way like in a way that it's not a performance it's almost like she's in tune with the music and almost like interpreting it into dance and I'm like wow this is awesome and then before you know it there's another girl who joins her on stage and she's dancing like 
in the same way, but even better. So I don't know if they're all part of the group, but what I do know is that you need to check out their music. So one song that they did perform that I absolutely loved, even though I have no idea what it's about, is a song called Oyo. By checking out their YouTube, first and foremost, I can't believe I'm only just discovering them because this particular song came out in 2018 and now is when I'm finding out about them. But it features another artist called Sadina. I really want you to check out this song and, and check out Afrotronics. They are futuristic, very Africa-centered, and their music is so relatable, even though they're singing in a language that if you don't speak French, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> but you'll, you'll connect with like the guitar, especially like on an African level, you'll connect with like the guitar, the instrumentals, and I just think that's really, really magical. So I've put a link to the song in the show notes, but don't just stop with that one song. You can check out the rest. I'm sure you'll like it. That's like the bunning thing that I wanted to share. I think we need to jump straight into 100 African stories. And this is a story by Shiko. Shiko is one of the first people to sign up to share her story during the Legally Clueless tour. And she was the first storyteller we recorded in Nakuru. Her story is super powerful. I did not know this part of her story. What I did know is that she's a young Kenyan who started a movement to kind of of promote cohesion and less tribalism in Kenya, which I thought was super awesome. But I didn't know that she had, you know, experienced motherhood super young in her life and a non-supportive baby daddy and, and so many things that she overcame. And it's funny how all of those things came up in the story. So I don't want to talk so much about it because I want to give her all the time to share that story with you. So here you go. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless coming to you from the road. We partnered with Africa No Filter to take this podcast on tour to Nakuru, Kisumu, Mombasa, and Nairobi, bringing you powerful and inspiring African stories. My name is Shiko Kihika. I think that's the name everybody knows out here. But my ID name is Awanjiko Kihika. I'm a young girl who was born in, in a village called Kibagare in Limuru. I was raised up in a ghetto called Mashara in Nakuru. So it's, I've been raised in the ghetto but grew up to be this woman who wants the best of her entire life. And one thing interesting about this life is that I got from all the, the stereotypes that we have. I visited Kisumu, my first time as a grown-ass lady and uh gosh you didn't tell me if there are some words i should not use oh no you can't use them <laughs> it's you you're allowed <laughs> <laughs> sorry as a grown lady i visited kisumo and the people that gave me a good name also mm. Now, since I can't pronounce it, I just know it's the daughter of the mountain. And yes, I am the daughter of the mountain. My 19-year-old, um, I was this hyper girl who wanted to join Egerton University to come in and study uh, public relations. Being a young girl, being hyper, being very talkative, having very ambitious dreams and everything, I got into acting. Uh, I got into theater arts. When I got into theater arts, I did my first job and I earned... How much was it? 19,000, 20,000 shillings. And I was the richest girl at that point mm -hmm. on that day. Unfortunately, along the way, my ambitions were shattered. I got pregnant along the way. Being raised by African parents, that means you are mother enough. You should learn to provide. Uh, so they pulled out from 
paying my education. So the day before I was pregnant, and I keep saying the devil was at work on that day. It was my first time engaging, and it was the first time. To be honest, I barely even have memories of what that experience was like. But uh, three days later, I started feeling sort of cramps and everything. And the first thought was, I was told if you take uh, P2, you're going to get cramps and kind of get your periods and everything. So I was like, okay, maybe it worked. <laughs> day three, day four, day five, I'm like, okay, I'm not getting any periods at this point. And what is happening is that the cramps are continuous and now my back is also hurting. I need to know why. So I went to the nearby chemist and I was like, there's the shame of just going out because of how we've been raised and everything. If when someone is feeling this, what that could be? And the lady goes like, uh, tell her she's pregnant. <laughs> so I had to go back home. And going back home, the first person I thought was like, my baby daddy, I thought he cared. And the first person I'm calling is him. And guess who picks the phone? Another lady. Yo, it's 19-year-old trying to have a conversation with another 20-year-old <laughs> about you being pregnant by the person she's calling her boyfriend and everything. And it was chaotic. I am a person who doesn't know how to go back and forth. When he came back and called, I don't think he came back, he was just there. They had their own dramas at that point also. But when he called and I told him and he was like, oh, you're trying to pin me down. Uh, I know you've been sleeping around and everything. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. My plan B was to talk to my girls about it. And I didn't know how to pick this conversation with my girls. So what I did is uh, just a random conversation. Hey, can we all test if we're pregnant and see who can be pregnant? <laughs> Among us. So we went and bought the kids. They had 50 shillings each. So we bought like seven of them. We came and took the test. And guess who's pregnant? I am. So everybody's looking at me and is like, okay, so how are you telling your mother? How will you do this? And I'm like, I want to get an abortion at this specific point. Mm -hmm. Because how do I pick this conversation with my dad? Uh, I'm born of a family of girl, four girls. Mm -hmm. So we, we don't have a brother. So I was my dad's son. So being the firstborn, I'm the one who's like, Panda So I was my, my dad's boy growing up. And then we had this relationship where I could talk to my dad about anything. And at this point, I felt like I'm disappointing him. And I knew it would crush him if I told him. So what I was thinking is, now my next step is abortion. Mm -hmm. And abortion in Kenya is a whole conversation <laughs> from the gospel of Johanna to <laughs> the government and everything. When I thought about it, someone told me, go to Mary Stops. Mm -hmm. They will help. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go there. So I went. When I went there, I was very unsure. I found this young man and I was like, so you, you're the one who's going to help me. And he's like, no, the only way I'll help you is I'll give you these pills. You go with them. Don't take them. Just stay with them for one week. If you feel like you're sure you want to take them, come back. If you're not sure, come back also. Let's have a conversation. So we had a conversation after two weeks, actually. I told him I never took them. And he was like, okay, why? And I was like, Imagine knowing this is maybe the only baby I'll get. And maybe this is my father's son I'm carrying. <laughs> I'm carrying. And then what happens? And then I started telling him I've had issues with my hormones. Because mm -hmm. even way back in high school, I started my periods when I was joining my form four. Mm -hmm. So I had gone through all this madness of being te tested if I'm pregnant from mm -hmm. form one all the way to form four. So I was like, maybe I just want to keep it. Mm -hmm. Let's see how we face life. Let's see how we go about it. Then he was like, no you need to go and talk to your parents about it. I was like, okay, I will. I was like, instead of talking to my parents, I got a gig at a supermarket. So I was like, I'm trying to figure out my madness. I'll, I'll just position everything and I'm able to take care of my son and nobody cares at this specific point. 
but I'm fine. So I got a gig with Nivea. So by then, when working as a promoter, there were things you used to get checked. How big you are, you had to be very slender at that point. Your nails need to look a certain way. Your hair need to look a certain way. So there are all these things. Luckily, I would match them, but from I was very short at that time. But then I was like, if I fit in all these and then I'm very talkative, so they'll basically just buy it. Luckily, I got it. I started now growing and everybody will notice my clothes are not fitting me and everything. <laughs> Every time you're rushing to the toilet and everything and oh, this brought issues now with my supervisor. I was fired. So when I was fired, this is fast forward. When I was fired, what happened is I got a job immediately after with Bouncy. So mm. I was like, this is perfect. Mm. A pregnant woman, Bouncy, <laughs> it's perfect. It's working out for me. I've not told my parents anything. This is like my fourth month, fifth month. It's not showing, so I'm still like, I'm just growing. Everybody thinks, ah, kanakula vizuri, kanapata pesa. She's fine. So um, my pregnancy started showing on my seventh month. So just a month before it started showing, I was like, now I need a plan. I need to know how to tell my mom. And my mom's weakness is her firstborn sister. So it's like, I'm going to call my aunt and I'm going to blackmail her. So that, so that she talks to the sister. So I called my aunt and I was like, where are you? And she was like, I'm in town. What are you doing? I'm at work. It's like, okay. When someone does something wrong, according to you, what should happen? And my aunt was like, okay, what have you done? <laughs> Like, I'm just asking, if something is wrong according to you and might not be wrong according to her, what happens? Like, are you pregnant? I was like, so let me tell you something. <laughs> if anyone of you tries to insult me, if anyone of you tries to sort of come at me, I'm leaving. Yes, I'm pregnant. Mm -hmm. So, and then my aunt was like, okay, so who's the father? And like the normal Kenyan parents, where is he from? What tribe is he from? How old is he? And I told her everything. And she was like, does your mom know? It's like, that's why I've told you. Because <laughs> she doesn't know. And you're the only one who can pick this conversation with her. So she was like, okay. I won't tell her today because I know I'll see her. But I'll try to figure out how to tell her. So I told her, Sawa. But I am fine. So my aunt saw my mom and couldn't keep it. So she called me and she told me, Nime wacha tu ni mwambi. I was like, this is my death then. My mom is that woman who you don't negotiate anything with. And then being that she raised me in church, like I never missed camps every single year. I even graduated in church. I used to sing up on Bele Kanisa, goodness. So like she knew she raised me to be this woman according to her who is like a righteous woman, you know. So knowing that even I couldn't just, the, the bare thought of thinking that you couldn't go for a church camp was a death sentence for you. So now how are you telling this woman that you're pregnant at 19? How? Where do you start this conversation? So when my aunt told her, I was like, this is done for me. I washed the utensils. I cleaned the house. Everything needed to be cleaned before she comes back because anything wrong would have caused chaos in that house. So when she came, she never told me anything. I was like, this is weird. So we cooked. We always cook with my mom, like all her daughters in the kitchen when it comes to cooking and everything. So when she was, I remember she was cooking ugali. And my mom is a typical African woman. Ugali, si ugali. So pepeta jiko kele ugali. So when she's there kisongo ugali, she goes like, ati niliambiwa nini? And I was like, hivo. So she says, eh, sasa tunafanya nini? Who is telling your father? It's like you. Because me, he's not my husband. You, you have to tell her. You have to tell him. She's like, me sisemi. So she says, we see what happens. Then she asks, to mend the clinic? I'm like, yes, I've gone twice. Mbano ujai sema? Just go and talk to me. 
He's like, where do you get money for this? And I was like, so let's go to work. My money is saved, everything. I've even started buying clothes at my friend's place. And she was like, okay, now I couldn't reverse gear. This is it. We are here. So she never talked to my dad. My dad noticed when I was at eight months. So yeah, the, 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 now I'm big and the time is showing you can't hide anymore. And my dad goes to my mom and says, Mschana wako, ninini yakona. And my dad being my best friend, this is the last time he ever spoke to me. So you can imagine, like we're in the same house, but tunapitana kama strangers. So I would say luckily, when I was turning my ninth month, uh, he was supposed to fly out to Haiti. So for me, it was like, bingo, this is it. I didn't know that he had like a card up his sleeves and he came and said, I'm flying out next month. I need to meet that man. And this is a whole conversation. This is a guy we've not even agreed. He's just there texting you and telling you, I'll take care of my offsprings. Mm -hmm. I'll do, I'll do. But you're not sure they'll do because even clinic, you're alone, you know. So I texted the guy and I said, my dad says he wants to meet you. And he's like, okay, I'll come. When, when does he want to come? I told him he's supposed to be flying out on a certain day. So if you can come earlier, it will do us some justice. I was like, okay, I'll come. Ninja never showed up. Yes. Uh, this specific person calls and says he will come on the day my dad is flying out. So imagine he's leaving from Nakuru to Nairobi and then fly out to wherever. So he needs to leave earlier because of traffic dynamics and everything. It was at around 12 noon. I called the guy and he's like, where are you? He's like, I passed by a barber shop, but I'm still coming. Kumba msea Nairobi. So I was like, we have to release my dad because if I don't, all this anger will be on me. So I told him, I don't think this person is coming. So he was like, Sawa, my dad called him. He said, I'll meet you at the airport. He never showed up. So of course my dad is angered by why I did this. And then now you, you have an irresponsible man. This is a whole other issue. So this guy to cover up, he comes to meet my mom. The weirdest thing is that he came all the way. He had come from TZ, Nairobi, and now Nakuru. And then I'm the one who gave him money for shopping. You don't see African parents without sugar. So I was like, Ninja, you need to buy something. Just shika, just buy. So we get home. He lies to my aunt and my mom. Tells them how he's planning to take care of the baby, how we're going to move in, how all these things are going to happen. And it was a picture perfect kind of man. And this is it. So my aunt is there telling me, now you see, you can even get married. Like this man sounds like a very responsible man. I'm like, I'm the only one who knows the drama behind the scenes. So I'm not going for this thing. So we said, Sawa, let me just give myself time and just deliver and then figure out my life. So at this point, I'm like, the guy is calling now every day. The guy is like, oh, I, I'm going to come and see you. I'm going to do, I'm going to do. But every other day, there's a story about him and other women. Every other day, there's a woman calling me, asking me, oh, I heard you're pregnant. You know, I also was pregnant and he told me to do ABCD. So it was a whole thing. Fast forward to my delivery day. It was December 25th. I was bleeding, so I had to go to hospital because I worked till two weeks to my delivery. So you can imagine on a small supermarket selling things every single day. On December 25th, I went to hospital. I was bleeding. And the lady looks at me and says, when was your deal? And I said, my D-Day is um, 7th January. She's like, I think the baby is almost here. So I was like, so what do we do? She told me, book a day for your CS because the way your baby is, we cannot just deliver normally. So I was like, okay, let's do this. So I, I was referred to a different hospital. So I went. I'm not even telling my mom anything. Me on a boda. I went and... Um, I booked my CS. So when I booked, I booked 
I thought like, okay, if I give birth on 31st and people like Africans always have a holiday on first for whatever reason. So people will be at home and I won't be there. So it will be less shameful. Like it won't be chaotic for me. So and then I was happy I won't feel the labor. I was like, I've gone through enough pain. I don't want any other kind of pain. I'm good. So when 31st came, I left home on 30th because I needed to be admitted a day before for scans and everything and then deliver the next day. On 30th, I went, hey, public hospitals. Hey, Jesus. People are screaming everywhere and I have to share beds with two women, very big women. And I never slept. I was just sitting. So uh, on the next day, my back starts hurting. Do I know what this is? I've never heard of anything like that. But people are screaming. So since my pain is not like at that level, we are not in labor, I'm fine. And then my water broke. I'm not telling anyone. I was just that person off. I, I got this. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'm not screaming. See, people are screaming here. We have not. So when the nurse came and asked me, uh, what's wrong with you? I told her, I think it's either... I've urinated myself or my water broke. I don't know what that is. Like, where is your mom? I've not called her. Call her. I call her. My mom comes and is like, so you went to hospital, you never told us? So how do I know you're giving birth if you're not telling me? I was like, I was scared. She's like, Sour, let me come. They came with my aunt. We stayed there. My aunt is like, you're not in pain? I'm like, I think I am, but it is not as that woman, so I'm fine. And then the doctor comes and says, uh, the doctor's on strike, so I'll have to wait until it's an emergency. So I was in labor from 11 a.m., all the way to 11 p.m. But I'm just there because I'm just looking weak. I'm just there. But I'm telling my aunt, I want yogurt. I want this. I'm just going to keep eating as long as I'm fine. Uh, so when the labor got intense, uh, the nurse called an emergency doctor. So when the doctor came, while he was a young man, so I was like, ah, <laughs> you'll kill me. I don't think I want to. And then there was a mama who had an emergency just next to me. So she had to go first. So I was so bitter. I was feeling like, why is it that I always come second? Why is it that nobody cares about what I'm feeling? And then he comes and says, you know what? You're the only person I've not seen crying. So I think you're fine. Just let me finish with this woman, and then I come for you. I was like, fine. And I was prepared, and then they inserted a catheter inside me. Hey, I asked questions. They almost just me away. I was like, why are you doing this to me? What if you kill my baby with that thing? So I'm naturally a drama queen, I think. I. But uh, I found very nice uh, nurses. And luckily, my mom knew someone, one of the midwives. So she was with me in the theater. And I remember when they do this epidural thing and they want you to be halfway paralyzed and halfway alive, I was like, this is not me. So I started asking the doctors, so you people, how do you sleep at night cutting people like this? And they had to force me to just like go to sleep. So one thing I remember, which I think that is one of the biggest memories I have of my son is that I never had him crying. But when I woke up when the nurses asked me, one thing that I remember is I told them, I only know that thing was a boy. If it's a girl, it's not mine. Mm -hmm. So I know it was supposed to be a boy. That's what the scan said. I need a boy because this is what will mend my relationship with my father at this point. And it was it was quite interesting because, yes, my boy was brought at 3.9 kgs. So you can imagine a 50 kg giving birth to a 3.9 kg. So this was a big baby, like a big baby. And then my baby only had one name. So because I knew they were going to be chaos, the father will want the uh, the baby named to their side with as much as he's been very responsible. And then there's my father and the culture and everything that comes with it. So I only gave him one name at that point. The weird thing is that the father came at 5 a.m. from nowhere with a group of 10 men. 
and one lady. And these people came carrying uh, flowers. <laughs> they came carrying flowers. So it was quite weird. And I was like, mm, okay, so you're here. Where are you from? It's like, well, I just flew in from TZ, which was a lie. It's like, okay, so you've come to see your son. Yeah, with flowers, yes. Diapers. <laughs> because I was thinking like, this kid won't use diapers. They come naked. They don't come with their plates like we are told. This thing comes naked, needy from day one, you know. So it's like, uh, so diapers, he says, no, I'm going to get you some shopping. I just needed to first come and see my son and everything. He takes photos with this kid and fills them on Facebook. I don't know. I'm literally still on that bed. I can't move. I can't do anything. And uh, then he left. So the next day he came uh, very early in the morning. And then he came with all of his friends again with nothing so it's like okay cool this is this is quite interesting and then on the third day because i stayed i stayed in hospital for four days mm-hmm. on the third day what happened is a lady called very early in the morning and she's like hi are you shiko i was like yeah i'm like who is this uh i'm the wife to so and so i just realized that uh you were pregnant and you've given birth i'm like wife wife how since when like i'm just a girlfriend he's been living with me like where he in the <laughs> In Nakuru, so it was quite weird. So I told her, I don't think I have the energy for back and forth. Uh, I don't think we have any relationship. The only thing that is here is the kid. So if he's willing to take care of the kid, well and good. If not, also, I think I'm fine. And the lady goes silent. So Kumba, it was drama after that. So after we left hospital, the ninja came home. Aki, I've never seen such an uncultured man. Jesus. He came home the entire week. So he was coming and then, you know, normally the way our mom cooks, so ninja, hey, whatever, whatever, you're pregnant, you need to take a whole jar of uji. So my mom was cooking a lot, especially in the morning. So he would come, eat lunch, and then leave for a, a whole entire week. And he never even one day bought socks. Adele socks is 50 shillings. He never bought anything. So on the last day, I remember, because I was really sick, um, my mom woke me up and I told her I'm not waking up. And she was like, so what do we do? So he never left. So I had to wake up and just say hi and then go back. But when he left, I think, I, I remember he got to the door and I was like, bro, when you met Okaivo, just don't come back. Because you're becoming a whole burden now. He went and he never came back. He went and he never came back. But a month later, I was like, for the first time, I was trolled on Facebook. And uh, for me, it was someone telling the world that Ninamnyimam Toto because my parents are able. And then also another lady that they were dating with uh, at that point who started saying, Oh, I'm incapable of raising a baby. I don't have a job. I'm still young. I'm sick. That the guy needs to be given the rights to the kids so that they can raise uh, the kid together. It was quite a mess. But luckily, people fought my battles, so that, that, that was a good thing at that point. So seven years, almost eight years down, nowhere to be seen. Hey, I tell people, hey, mungwangu alalagi kiondo, Jesus, this is it. Uh, what happened is me and my dad were not in talking terms for quite a long time, three or four months, yeah, until the baby was born. So when the baby was born, my mom had to force the baby on him. So my dad, my mom would wake up early, take the baby, and I'm peleka kwa kitandayao, and I'm lalisha up, and be like, wachafanya venyatafanya. So it took a lot of time to mend this relationship, and even trust at the end of the day. So I went back to my supermarket gigs. That's when my baby was around one year. 
So I started leaving him at home and then I go for job work. But you've never seen I I honestly can't even explain how I used to survive because my salary was 14,000. And I was supposed to go to Naivasha every two weeks. So you're spending your transport is within the 14,000. Then you have a baby who needs diapers, who needs clothes and you also need to eat. So somehow I survived. I was working at Naivas for like a year or two. Then one day I woke up and I didn't want to be at Naivas anymore. because I'm that person who I honestly don't know how to see people being harassed mm. and I also don't know how to feel like I'm being oppressed and I'm silenced so it never sat well with so many people so I just one day woke up and I never went to work <laughs> and my boss texted me you never went to work and, and I was like yeah I never did and she's like oh you need to stay at home until father notice and I was like I don't think there's any father notice mm. at this point I think I'm done so since she was a family friend she called my mom and told my mom nimewacha kazi so this started chaos again jesus the first thing my dad asked me is unaacha kazi na uliza mapema unaenda wapi and i told him i don't know where i'm going i just don't think i'm meant for that i don't think that is what i want to do i'll figure it out as i go so i had started going you know the way you have friends who go for these meetings and everything and then they tag you so i was tagged into one or two meetings where young people are just discussing local issues political issues and then amplifying them online but then i i had a twitter account with 10 followers or something so I started learning what they are doing and then I was like this is interesting what if we stop waiting for those organizations to come and assemble us what if we start assembling ourselves and just having these conversations so I started assembling people and we are, we were going towards uh the 2016 elections 2017 elections so what happened is at that time there was need to have a conversation i was losing so many of my friends from these uh, kikuyu lose fights and i'm like okay it's not making sense to me and then having grown up in a home where we started cooking fish when we were grown up fish was for lose we started cooking omena when we were like all grown you know like there was food that was specific for specific tribes and i was like this is not me so we started having these conversations and then i was like i now have 200 followers on twitter so what can we do and since i have the power of assembling people we can just join our forces and see if we can be doing something so for like the entire election period every single Thursday we used to have a trend we used to call it tribeless youth and uh, i remember i used to be that personal okay how do we do this can someone teach me so we thought and then i'm doing that and you'll think i'm the queen of this thing and i don't know how it goes a year down i started figuring out okay this can actually be a whole movement this can actually be something and then people started telling me i think we, we need to be better organized so that we can actually even find resources so i worked for two years for an existing but not existing organization mm. i'm not being paid i'm i'm just there like i'm going to work every morning but my work is going sitting down in someone's shop and tweeting and doing <laughs> that was my work and then i met um someone from kenya human rights commission i think and they were like oh we thought you guys are a fully funded organization I was like how like the things you guys do on twitter not most of us can actually do that And I was like this is it light bulb this needs to be a structured organization so i started putting things together slowly by slowly and then this was also a changing moment for my parents because this was the first time they saw their daughter on tv and when you're on tv you're your parents favorite they are being called by everyone they saw you on tv you're the celeb of that house nobody can say anything and my dad started gaining trust so my dad would even say oh i know you're going somewhere uh, do you have transport he never asked that for the longest time so i was like okay i'm getting it back when i was 23 i did uh, one of a full page newspaper feature mm. 
and my dad was called by his partners and people and he's like bingo this is it <laughs> so <laughs> i'm now finally going back to be my dad's pride i'm here now so this started changing because and i think there's there's one thing when especially when you're a young girl and you give birth early and you have an opportunity to actually uh, redeem yourself because our society sort of condemns you mm-hmm. so being able to just like rise up and redeem yourself was one of for me was one of the brightest thing that could have ever happened in my life so being here and now people are seeing you like oh she can actually guide you mm-hmm. a few years ago I was that she will mislead you don't work with her you know and then now all of a sudden these parents are like you need to be like her she's doing you know people are not knowing i don't even have money these are just you know the way you mentioned on blogs you mentioned when everybody thinks you have a lot of money and you have nothing So it was like a whole thing and then I realized my heart belongs here. I want to really serve in this manner. I want I never knew I was an activist until I started speaking out. Mm-hmm. I never knew I could actually do some things until I started doing. So I tell people I went to the street university and came out mm-hmm. and came out as this person who is doing consultancies and doing all these things like they went to Harvard University. But <laughs> But but it's it it was a journey worth it I would say and it's been a journey worth it to date and I don't think I would trade what I'm doing for anything else and the way people keep asking what would you tell your 19 year old self go get pregnant again and get get brains in order because this change of mentality even with my parents we see pregnancy as as some form of respectively a disability and uh, people think that you're not able to move people think that you're cast it's done for you this is it but i don't get why the same people when you're 30 are like hey your biological clock is ticking you need to give birth i don't know what changes in between but for me this changed even the way i was thinking because before then i was thinking of how i want to go to the university uh, just become this person doing PR probably get a job in an organization and you know I was not thinking beyond that I was not thinking that yo you could actually employ a few people with you you could actually work with creatives and make things happen and luckily I met a group of people everywhere I went and everything they were doing I was like we can actually fuse this and this and make it this and they became a community so we've been doing things for now 5 6 years together and i'm like we started without pay and now we're at a point where we can actually say this is my price tag and i don't care what you think about it but i've worked for this i've built this so i think so tribless youth uh, is an organization working with creatives and young people to just bring satire to the injustices and abnormalities that happen in our political world why we do this is because we believe we are able to educate through this we are able to trigger conversations because for me any form of art speaks to the heart mm-hmm. We can have forums, have all these lectures and everything, but one goes through here and lives from the other ear. But when we are able to actually have something that people relate to, then this starts sparking conversations. Through Tribless Youth, and this I think is one of my biggest and pri- uh, proud moments, is 50 years of this country existing, 50 years of the political injustices, 50 years of uh, neocolonialism, we finally started having a conversation about our tribes and what they mean to us when they come to elections for me that was like you know if a 23 year old can make you people have this conversation then we have the power to change this whole political nonsense that we have 
So for me, I think that is the greatest thing. Though we are not yet there, we are still working towards, because I think for us, our bigger goal is to have a creative space where creatives can have their exchange programs, where creatives can learn how to uh, turn their art into business, mm -hmm. where creatives can also come and exchange notes and have the exhibitions and everything and be able to use the power of digital media to now expand their scope of work. I believe we are marching towards that direction. And I still think I'm still young, so <laughs> we're still moving. We're still moving, yeah. My dad and my son are like brothers. They call each other brother. Like, it's a weird relationship. But I think it also came at the right time where it's built a certain bridge. Because if I take my son for two days from my dad, it's like he'll call every day. I even tell him, like, dude, this is not a, it's not a doctor's prescription. He'll call me at 8 in the morning, as it I can see. At 12 noon, mumekula nini. And Johnny at 6, umeanza kupika. And I'm like... He's mine. He won't die in my hands. But he saw my dad uh, sort of also collect himself back because he also happened at the time where my dad lost his mom. So when my dad lost his mom, he was not talking to so many people. But this kid was able to make him laugh and come out and talk and, you know, and do these things. So I'm sort of, I, we sort of feel like this, this was that thing that was meant to happen to just bring a certain feeling in the house. And of course, we are from the African culture where I have never understood what is the difference between a girl and a boy, but there's this whole narrative about it. And one thing I never said is that my son took two years, two and a half years before he got full names. <laughs> so he like operated on one name for the longest time until people are able to figure it out. Am I against people working things out with their baby daddies? No. But I'm also pro-women understanding their value and that we don't necessarily need to keep fighting over someone raising your kid for you to feel. A kid takes two people, but also it takes more than a sperm donor to be a father. And when I see that, people say I'm, I'm, I'm talking nonsense, but there's a huge difference. If I wanted a sperm donor, I can walk to a sperm bank and get a baby. If I wanted a father, I needed to know better that I needed a man who's cultured and who understands the responsibility that comes with it. So we have so many people who wear their pants but are basically just sperm donors. It is okay to realize that not every person who is able to make you pregnant can be a father. And so it is with women also. Not every person who is able to carry a baby can be a mother. A hundred African stories. The Legally Clueless 2021 tour powered by African No Filter. We're traveling through Kisumu, Nakuru, Mombasa and Nairobi, bringing you real, raw and inspiring African stories. That was a very interesting story by Shiko. It's just, you know, what was very interesting about it for me, and I, I get that with quite a few other stories, is just the very easy, nonchalant way she will share about overcoming something so heavy you know and she'll just drop it like oh yeah <laughs> it's just another thing and I'm like my goodness how did you hack that how can you have just given birth and you're getting calls from other women you know you just become a mother you have a newborn you're still in hospital and those are the calls you're getting it's madness but we recorded Chico's story during our stop in Nakuru while we were on tour as Legally Clueless so I think you should definitely check out the Legally Clueless Tour Nakuru episode. It's on our YouTube channel and there is a link to our YouTube in the show notes. Um, speaking of which, if you want to share your story on this podcast, all you have to do is fill out a specific form. A link to it is in the show notes and you can... Um, 
fill out the form and in a bit I'll get back to you and we'll figure out how to record your story. We do it virtually, so wherever you are on the continent, off of the continent, your story is valid and we can definitely record you. Oh, the last thing that I want to say, okay, maybe not the last thing, but second last thing that I want to say is our hotline. I haven't been sharing it. Apologies, I do not know why. So if you listen to something on this podcast and you connect with it or you have experienced something similar or you just want to share something about something you've heard on any of the episodes, you can record an audio note and send it to the hotline via WhatsApp. Now, the hotline number, I have not memorized it yet it's saved on my phone so i'm actually trying to say there we go it's plus two five four seven six eight six two eight seven nine zero but you can also find it in our show notes hi adele my name is wanjiru i recently discovered your podcast and i am so happy because i'm one of those people who like coming to the party late that way there's like a bunch of episodes for me to enjoy i was even home this past weekend and I was doing a load of laundry and my mom passes by and she's like, oh, that podcast is your kameme. Basically, she's like, that's your radio. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, A lot of inspiring stories, even the ones you cannot relate to. There's a lot of empathy you feel and you feel a lot of connectedness to the person. So in your words, oh my word, please keep up. That is such a kind, kind, kind message. And I appreciate you including this podcast in your routines like doing your washing that's that's a very intimate moment (laughs) i mean that i mean that i'm not joking so i appreciate stumbling on your voice notes because yeah it just feels good that i'm not building a space that only i feel comfortable in that you hear things that you empathize with or relate with is very very powerful for me and it's kind of like where I'll go to to refuel on the days that I'm doubting this podcasting thing you know so yeah thanks thanks for sharing lastly do remember that you can yes of course stream this podcast on your favorite streaming platforms but if you're in kenya you can catch legally clueless on trace radio all you have to do is go to traceradio.co.ke and there'll be a list of frequencies so wherever you are in kenya you can tune in every monday and wednesday at 12 noon and 11 p.m and every friday at 12 noon and you'll catch the podcast over there so i need to wrap up (laughs) the reason i'm not talking too much is because if i do remember the previous episodes i was telling you that this something i'm doing that i'm not meant to share just yet yeah if i keep talking i might just let something slip because i'm not too good with secrets so i'm going to end (laughs) this podcast or rather this episode right here and just say thank you so much for listening to the very very end That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.